Hey, Will. Welcome to the West Coast. It's good to see you over here. <laughs> I love here. this city. Yeah. What's what what you you just got off of like three days of a men's retreat? Was this yeah. one, like beating drums and yeah. and in the woods yeah, naked sh- with a bunch of guys? Some shamanic ritual with guys in their nineties. <laughs> Typical week for yeah. me. <laughs> no, I was at the Golden Door, which is a beautiful retreat outside of Escondido, uh-huh. and there was guys of all ages there from my age. Like really young guys, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> two guys in their 90s and everything in between. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're all there and they asked me to come and kind of experience this Golden Door retreat. And I hadn't heard of it, but apparently yeah. it's legendary in Hollywood and Los Angeles and Southern California. So it was cool. We did a five mile mountain hike every morning at 545 in the morning. We did boot camp and meditation and yoga and spot they they massage they come and you get a massage in your room every day mm-hmm. so yeah it's the life but um what what are, what are you up to i'm good uh i'm good it's funny yeah i've been um really focused the past two weeks on intermittent fasting and dialing in my my um following my ketotarian plan if you will <laughs> love it yeah i was at um i i went in for a physical a couple of days ago, and as soon as I got there, before seeing my doctor, you know, they had to, they wanted to take a urine sample, and they looked at it, and immediately the doctor came out and was like, "Your ketones are really, really high." I was like, "Yeah, that's that's probably normal." I mean, I'm yeah. fasting, and yeah. I, you know, I'm I, I'm probably dipping in and out of ketosis. Yeah, so. and really high was probably like one or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it was it was two point five. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. But I mean, that's not like insanely high. No, it's not no. ketoacidosis. No, no, nothing dangerous. Not but, at yeah. All. No, but uh, yeah, no, great. Getting some sunshine and, and psyched that you're here. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to be here and I'm excited yeah. to talk with our friend Kelly Lebec today. Yeah, Kelly's great. We're, we talked all about food and obviously something that's near and dear to both of us. What I love about her approach is that she's really about the whole idea of integrating food. It's not about excluding food, mm-hmm. which is something I've been talking about for a really long time. The idea when you kind of exclude foods or you banish things, you create this almost like anti-love and this fear of food versus the inclusion, which is so much easier to actually embrace. Yeah. Her her approach is great. It's really cool. She does break that sort of dieting, food obsession and food shame. And for people that don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Kelly Levesque. She's a dear friend of ours. She's a holistic nutritionist, wellness expert, and celebrity health coach. She's based here in Los Angeles. And she's the author of Body Love and her new book, Body Love Every Day, which comes out December 30th. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for people to hear this conversation. Yeah, it's a really good one. Kelly Levesque. What's going on? My friend. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Right around the corner for me. Easy. <laughs> You're in the neighborhood. I am. So you do amazing things in the space of wellness. But for people that don't know what you do, can you fill them in? Sure. Um, I'm a holistic nutritionist here in Los Angeles, and I consult with clients on what they eat and how they sleep and how they manage stress. And up until maternity leave, I was seeing about six to eight clients a day. So some virtual and some like on set or in their homes. And um, yeah, it's my passion. It has been since I was probably in high school. I just didn't think it could be a real career until eight years out of college. (laughs) How did yeah. you fall into it? I mean, high school doesn't seem like high school is when most people are eating fish sticks and, and, <laughs> and like potato chips. Three cookies for a yeah, dollar exactly. if you went to my high school. Um, yeah, uh, I loved health. That was my first science class as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped that it was the 
very good looking volleyball coach as my teacher. <laughs> but, but no, I really, it was something that just stuck. Whenever I read about nutrition, um, I felt like it cataloged itself in my brain. Whereas, you know, history and grammar, English, all of that is just mm-hmm. in one ear out the other. So I'm a math and science brain for sure. Mm-hmm. I ended up going to USC for business finance. I'm the oldest of three girls, and my dad went to SC for business finance, and I just kind of was like, what do I do, dad? Um, and then called him the summer after my junior year in tears because I had taken my science courses, and I was like, I need to be pre-med. What was I thinking? Like, this is ridiculous. And he's like, if you want to pay for SC for another few years, like, by all means, but mm-hmm. you know the drill. In our family, you're cut off the day you graduate. So I decided to take some extra classes and get a concentration in nature of human health and disease. And I worked in the medical field for eight years. So I worked in cancer and genetics and personalized medicine. And what I was doing there was reading PubMed research articles every single day mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of relaying that new technology and information to oncologists, radiation oncologists, um, surgical oncologists. And at the end of my career, I was covering the eight West Coast states and managing a team and of people training doctors to use this technology. So in my free time, all I did was read diet books and lifestyle books mm-hmm. and PubMed research and nutrition and just became that annoying girl at parties that was like, oh, really? Well, there's actually a new thing that's out about inflammation or about diabetes or, uh, you know, I kind of knew what PCOS was before people were talking about it. So it was just a passion project that finally annoyed people enough to where my friends were telling me to go back to school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did. I went back um, to do all my pre-med courses. I kind of was all over the place with the education piece because reading all of the newest research and then going to, I dropped like three intro to nutrition courses at UC level uh, schools like UCLA Mm -hmm. because they were talking about plant sterols and margarine out of the books, you know? So we were talking like, just some really old information, Mm -hmm. even just a few years ago. So it was a piecemeal to pull it all together, but it was clinical nutrition. So I pulled together all of the courses, pre-med courses from taking classes at UC Berkeley and UCLA and even Santa Monica City for some of them. And then I did a holistic health coaching program. So I kind of like tried to get as many degrees in the space as possible. But I think that's one of the things that a lot of people in my position struggle with is deciding where to go. And if what they're learning is right, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your main client base at this point? What are you seeing health wise? What are your main focuses? I sort of have niched myself into a little bit into Hollywood. I help people prepare for roles. So Mm -hmm. I helped Jennifer Garner get ready for the Peppermint movie. I helped Jessica Alba get ready for her um, tour and launch of Honest Beauty. I'm working with Emmy Rossum right now to prepare for a role. And it really is, sometimes I just start to work with clients and it's, I work with them in the beginning for a specific date or goal. Like I first started working with Emmy right before her wedding. So we Mm -hmm. were getting her ready for her wedding, which was really rewarding. You know, you have these big life moments and you want to look and feel your best. But what happens is then they become really excited about nutrition and Mm -hmm. really building a lifestyle around wellness. Like Emmy is one of those people that I'm so proud to have worked with so long ago and to watch her now, like Seamus and I were just talking, her Insta story today was like a picture of her food bag, you know, and she doesn't have a chef preparing that for her. Like she's in the kitchen and sometimes we'll bring in people to support her if things are really busy, but 
she's like, she's making those meals and it's a healthy protein, veggies, good fats. She wants to know the why. Mm -hmm. And so that is really what gets me so excited yeah. when it's not about body comp, when it's about the why, when it's about preventing inflammation, when it's about understanding how it's protecting the brain or helping you to balance your hormones. Because I think of you know, I loved geometry growing up too, and proofs were, you know, figuring out how things kind of add up. And, and that's sort of how nutrition feels for me with my clients. It's like looking at blood tests, understanding their lifestyle, seeing what might motivate them. And it's not drastically changing their life. It's looking for the low hanging fruit that might make them feel a little bit better to mm -hmm. where they're excited to learn more. Yeah. Something that I love about what you talk about, and you, it's the title of your book, it, it, Body Love, and your new book, Body Love Every Day. And it's something that I see so important in women, but also in men, is this uh, body shame, uh, where that's propelling them to the next diet. That's mm -hmm. propelling them to work out in the gym. It's shame-based fit, fitness and wellness, which is antithetical to your message. So can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, when we named the book Body Love, uh, I had some people say like, well, this isn't just about loving your body. It's sort of a program. I'm like, yeah, but it, what I'm trying to show and teach my clients and teach people is how to love their body through the choices that they make and not in a deprivation type of way where they're getting a new diet and they're like, I can't eat X, Y, and Z. And right. here's my PDF of like everything I can't eat. Mm -hmm. It's really it's positively reinforcing. So what I ask people to look for on their plate are the essential things that their body needs to thrive. So we know through nutrition uh, that we, and your biology, that you need essential amino acids and essential fatty acids, mm -hmm. right? Protein and fat. And then I added fiber and greens to that because I want people to get the fiber to create to have the proliferation of that healthy gut bacteria mm -hmm. in their microbiome. And then the greens piece is like, where are your veggies that are deep in color? Where are you getting your phytochemicals? How are you creating an anti-inflammatory body? And so just by looking at that, instead of saying, oh, you can't have X, Y, and Z, we go, you're at a restaurant. How can you add the side of broccoli for the table? Or well, can you start with a side salad? Or how are you getting, you know, is there a wild fish you can order? Even like the Mary's chicken, you know, it's giving people permission to eat instead of watching people right. order the salad and having the dressing on the side and and then feeling bad the minute they get up from the table that shame cycle starts it's like shoot that person ordered better than I did or I shouldn't have had that bite of bread it's like no you should feel good about yourself when you get up from that table knowing that you've nourished your body with what it needs and so it's really a paradigm shift for a lot of my clients at first because without strict rules, they feel a little out of control. But once they get in the groove, what they notice is they just start feeling good about themselves. They right. get up from the table and they're like, oh, I'm really proud of myself because I got in my quote unquote fab four, which mm -hmm. is the protein, fat, fiber, and greens. And it's funny because I didn't think it was going to be anything. I wouldn't have named it after the Beatles, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just something easy that I coined, um, back in like 2012 actually. So, um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> fab, hashtag fab four smoothie is a uh, Instagram like Instagramable moment. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Can you tell people like what that is? Like yeah. how do you get a fab four smoothie? It's well, you have to have the fab four in it. What I noticed back in the day was it was coming off the heels of the juicing cleanse mm -hmm. movement. And all of a sudden, all these places were turning into smoothie shops. But you'd walk in and it was a Solid banana, fruit. Yeah, yeah, yes, a banana, a yeah. date, like they're putting agave, they're topping it with granola, there are mm -hmm. goji berries inside of it. And yeah, that is 
a delicious masterpiece, but it's also like a highway express to pre-diabetes. Right. You know, people just are like, but it's fruit. It's like, yeah, but don't you understand that most of the sugar that you're eating is from like sugar cane or beets, mm-hmm. like fruits and vegetables and like plants. Like we can extract sugar from plants. It doesn't mean just because you know, just kind of educating people that like, hey, by the way, a cup of pineapple has 14 grams of sugar and you're avoiding all these bars and like processed foods that have, you know, things above five grams, but you're tripling that with like your little fruit bowl. And it's, I'm not here to demonize fruit. I just saw that that was not the type of smoothie that would make people feel full, satisfied, balance anyone's blood sugar, keep insulin low or have them, you know, set them up for success for the rest of the day. That looks like a huge, massive blood sugar spike, a crash. And, you know, that blood sugar cycle will go up for 90 minutes. We're crashing down for 90 minutes. And then all of a sudden at 10 o'clock, people are looking at their coworkers going like, well, what are we ordering for lunch? And like, is there a snack in the kitchen for me? And then they didn't understand why they weren't like losing weight or feeling good Mm -hmm. and their energy was depleted. And so I just created a formula. I was like, hey, look, you can make any blood sugar balancing smoothie with this formula. You just need to have protein. So it could be any lifestyle. If you're if you're keto or paleo, you could use a grass-fed beef protein. You could use a collagen protein. If you're pescatarian, that's a marine-based collagen mm-hmm. protein. You can use a pea protein or like some sort of vegetable blend protein mix. But what I tell my clients to look for is protein powders that are just the powder. We don't need like a fortified vitamin with mm-hmm. additives of prebiotics and probiotics and all of these things because that just we're just looking for a simple, we're trying mm-hmm. to build a whole food smoothie. So the protein should be very, very simple. And then fat, I mean, that could be avocado, uh, coconut yogurt, olive oil, almond butter, and then you have the fiber piece and that's chia, flax, acacia fiber. If you're looking to like really a proliferation of that bacteria in your Mm -hmm. gut, you know, that does a great job of creating butyrate, those short chain fatty acids, and then a big handful of leafy greens. So depending on the client, you know, I have clients who love chocolate almond butter. So they use a chocolate protein powder. They use almond butter. They put a tablespoon or two of fiber like chia or flax in there. They'll sneak in a handful of greens and that's it. And all of a sudden they're getting that 20 grams of protein, you know, 10 grams of fat, 10 grams of fiber. They're feeling really, really good. And then they're turning around at 1 PM being like, wait, I didn't order lunch yet. And so that is really helping them to stay balanced, keep insulin low and prevent that crashing that causes cravings. Yeah. It seems like as, as you're encouraging your clients to to develop more of like a healthy relationship with food, it's it's almost like you're designing your own obsolescence because once once they figure out what to do, it's not like you're on a diet. I mean, you even say it's not a diet because you, you get into this new relationship with food that becomes so much more sustainable. They don't really need, necessarily need they to come need back me. to you. Yeah. yeah, and you know what's really funny is people – I even saw a client yesterday. She's like, so now what? Because mm-hmm. I saw her one time <laughs> yeah. for like two hours and kind of explained the science of why this works and how it works. And we, when I sit down with a client, we talk about day in the life of them from when mm-hmm. they wake up to when they go to bed. And I just point out things that might be affecting their energy or it might be affecting their digestion or that they might think are healthy but maybe aren't the best choices. And I was like, you know, for some people, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like. We meet one time. I really kind of consult with you as a consultant. I'm not here to sign you up for eight sessions and right. see you, you know, every other day or something. Like, mm. I'm trying to teach you to fish here. How has your How has your approach to nutrition changed since you were first exposed to it in high school? Because obviously, as you said, like there's there's been this 
dramatic shift and I feel like there's always a pendulum swing mm-hmm. and a correction. But I kind of, I have the sense, I mean, Will and I talk about this stuff all the time, but I have a sense that we've kind of gotten to a place where the pendulum swing is slowing down a lot and mm-hmm. we're, we're starting to understand there's some pretty broad strokes that make sense. Yeah. Have you seen there like a lot of changes in, in, as you've kind of gone through this whole process on your journey? Yeah. Well, take me back to high school. I read all those diet books uh-huh. that were demonizing everything you ate and everything. It was so strict and you're either on plan or off plan. And then you fast forward to now and you have things like Whole30 or Paleo or really like plant-based where it is more of a lighter structure. It is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's understanding the benefits of basic nutrition and then using, I think I look at like all the things that are coming out that seem sort of fad ish, whether Mm -hmm. that's celery juice or bulletproof coffee or intermittent fasting. And I just tell my clients, this doesn't need to be your whole life. You don't Mm -hmm. need to say, I'm going to not eat until 2 PM from here until the day I'm 90. You need to look at that as a tool. Like Mm -hmm. these are just tools that you can add in as needed. Like you had a big Labor Day weekend. Like Maybe you take a little bit of a breather Mm -hmm. in the morning and wait a few hours to eat, work out in the morning, try to bring that blood sugar down, make some space in those muscles for glycogen, like really like just listen to your body and use it as a tool instead of like live or die by these, by, you know, these diets. And the, the hard part is, is like, I would say the people who love nutrition and who like us, we, we live and die by this, you know, you're making beautiful food and you're seeing clients and talking about this all the time. It it's top of mind for us, but I see a lot of women who are in the fashion space mm-hmm. or, um, you know, are journalists uh, and are really grabbing those processed foods still. And so I think in when we're talking to each other, it feels like everyone's on the same page. Right. But when I take a step out and see that I still have clients reaching out to me that are getting on Pinterest and looking for a quick fix diet and are mm-hmm. using things like the cabbage soup diet still like <laughs> that breaks my heart, you know, because I just, I can, I can sit down with them for 90 minutes or two hours and they're never going to do that Google search again mm-hmm. or that Pinterest search for like mm-hmm. the five pound fat melt. What I do see is when clients really start to nourish and take care of themselves and do the things like working out or filling their plate with nourishing foods, they start to care less about the scale. They start to right. care less about the gene size because they feel good and they're really nourishing themselves with their choices. Mm -hmm. So you find that a lot of people when they, if they end up in a situation, like I know, I know this happens with a lot of friends of mine where they'll have really good intentions. They've got a program they're working on. They're eating really well. And then they order lunch at work and lunch is fucked up. And instead of being (laughs) like the, the burger with, with the greens on the side, they get like the burger patty and the fries are there. And then the fries are there and they eat the fries. And And then the fries are gone. (laughs) The fries are gone. And they're like, Oh my God, I totally screwed up. And now I'm done and I've ruined everything. And it goes back to this whole shaming of sense of, of, rather than the food being empowering, the food becomes shameful Mm -hmm. and it promotes this kind of negative relationship. How do you keep people from getting to that sense of, because I know that this happens oftentimes, it happens with addiction too, like you, you, one moment that of weakness or whatever we call it, and then the next thing you know, Spiral. you're like, oh, fuck it, it's out the window, I'm done. I see this all the time, like they ordered the burger on Friday at, uh, at lunch, and then we're having a conversation Sunday afternoon about how they're going to get on, back on track on Monday, and that's yeah. like, that's almost half your week. Right. I always tell clients there are a couple ways to sort of reset, mm-hmm. um, 
and it's counterintuitive, but we reset with food. Mm -hmm. So what I asked them to do is look at the plate and say, well, what of the fab four did you get on that plate? Right. And like, you got some protein. Okay, great. Was there lettuce and tomatoes? Was there any form of phytochemicals on that plate too? And where was your fiber? And I'm trying to look for like the positive. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of glass half full, like the positive that was on the plate. And then I say, okay, what's going to happen is you probably, you know, you ate the fried food. You might feel a little bit gross. It had a lot of carbohydrates there. You might spike up and crash down and really want a brownie more, yeah, at like yeah, three o'clock in the yeah. afternoon. So what can we do to shut down those hunger hormones on a biological level? You have over eight hunger hormones in your body. And I dissect those in my first book, Body Love, and like the triggers and what calms those hunger hormones. Protein does a really good job of regulating over, you know, six of those eight, mm -hmm. really supporting to do that. So I always tell them, I know it's counterintuitive, but can you get yourself like, instead of going for the brownie and coffee, can you do a chocolate almond butter smoothie or, you know, chocolate olive oil sea salt smoothie and have that and have that biological reset of like, I'm balancing back out. I'm satisfying those right. anger hormones so we can reset with food. And it's hard because at, from a diet culture, we think we failed with that lunch mm -hmm. and we're ready to fail the rest of the weekend. Right. Or right? else, or else forego food entirely and say, well, I'm just not gonna eat dinner. Right. I screwed up at lunch. I'm not gonna eat dinner rather than saying, well, actually let me recalculate. Dinner is going to be uh, fibrous vegetables, some healthy fat, and a little bit of protein. Yeah. So I'm about adding exactly like that. It's like, do not do that because what you're doing with that, do not eat dinner, where you're mm -hmm. not going to eat dinner. I think of it like a pendulum ball. And we were sort of like alluding to this is, okay, you made a, you felt like you made a bad decision. So you swing a little bit to the left, but right. your response is so reactive that you're swinging all the way to this like cleansy deprivation place right. on the far right. And when you fail at that, you're going to go gonna right swing back to the garbage, all the yeah. way back to the garbage and you're going to get your, you know, and end up in your freezer and right. downing that pint of ice cream. Yeah. And then the next thing you're going to feel real bad. So you're going to try and do an intermittent fast till two in the afternoon off of that pint of right. ice cream, which is going to make you feel like crap. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're feeling quote unquote out of balance. Well, yeah, you're swinging so massively from one side to the next. So my my like job is to be the bumpers. Get back on the horse. Get back I'm, on the horse. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm the bumpers on your bowling lane yeah. to be like, we're not going to swing that far. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to keep you moving forward and in your lane. And so I'm throwing the stoppers up. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. I get that text. It's like, I just ate the whole thing of fries. I'm like, great. Where in your area can you get yourself some form of like protein? Can you get a protein snack? Can we plan for dinner? Can, you know, one of the tools that I use with clients is I have them look at all their Postmate places and mm -hmm. their Uber Eats places and build their own menu in their phone. So it's like when I'm going to sweet grain and I'm feeling my best, I want to nourish my body. This is the order I make. Mm -hmm. When I'm going to Bel Campo, I'm getting this burger, lettuce wrapped with this side. Mm -hmm. And then they know that like they can lean on this quote unquote healthy takeout menu without opening Postmates and being like ramen, you know, right. mm -hmm. being pulled because it's so easy with these highly palatable foods to be pulled in each direction to make those choices. So mm -hmm. really getting back on the, on the horse with the food is a good, a good thing to do. The second thing is movement. Like I got a text from a client that they had eaten a lot on Labor Day and I was like, great, well, it's 7 PM now and you were at a barbecue and What's done is done. That's sort of in the rearview mirror. So if we look in the rearview mirror, we're depressed, right? If we look way too far ahead of us, you know, in front of us on the road, we're anxious because we're like, what's next? What's going to happen next? It's like, what can you do with your car driving right now? And that's my suggestion was like, well, if you're not doing anything right now, why don't you take a walk around your neighborhood, throw a podcast in, something motivational. Something's going to kind of like change the way you're headed, mm -hmm. you know, the headspace you're in right now. So movement really really helps people to reset and it doesn't have to be that you're going to a Barry's boot camp to yeah. 
break your body because you're no one feels like doing that after mowing down barbecue no and the other thing is is it promotes that again that pendulum swing of like of oh i did this bad thing and this bad decision now i have to do penance and i have to suffer for it and i have to erase those bad calories and i think that rather than looking at it as okay i need to cancel out these crappy calories because exercise is not going to do that right right it's simply not going to do that but what it is going to do is you're going to feel better about having made a positive decision which will make it easier on your next meal to make a better positive decision with the food. Exactly. So it's like, how can we quote unquote reset or, or use, where's, where am I throwing a bumper up for someone? I'm telling them to eat. I'm telling them to, to move a little bit. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be aggressive. And then the third thing is to change their biological state through some type of like mental change, whether that's calling a family member and having, or an f- old friend and having a really good talk, putting on a breath work app, a meditation app, something that's going to, or even like a positive motivational type podcast, mm-hmm. something that's really going to give them perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, and if those things aren't hitting, I'm always like, well, what are you grateful for? Because you're really beating yourself up over these stupid french fries mm-hmm. for no reason. Like, are you grateful for your health? Are you grateful for your family? Like, mm-hmm. really trying to find what we're grateful for changes our perspective. Yeah. For me personally, I went through a really, really tough time when my son was born. It was about 48 hours, and he was emergency transferred to CHLA. I was at St. John's in Santa Monica. And now it's so funny. Like, I'm a new mom, and we're in Mommy and Me classes. And, you know, moms are like, well, he's not sleeping, and he's not eating exactly what the Internet says he should eat. And and I'm like, my son is here with an absolutely healthy brain and body, mm-hmm. and he'll walk when he walks. Yeah. And <laughs> if he blows out all over his clothes, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's just like life. you have to have those things that really change your perspective and make you yeah. so grateful that we're mm-hmm. here and healthy and able to move and run and eat. And I mean, life could be a totally different, you yeah. know, be on a totally different path. What do you th- say to the people that are hearing this conversation and they're overwhelmed with? all the information out there. They don't know what the heck to eat. A lot of my patients struggle with orthorexia and it's this disordered eating where you have stress and shame and anxiety about healthy foods and eating healthy. Yeah. Um, what do you tell people about it? They just feel like paralysis of analysis many times and not even know what to eat. Right. Um, so I approach that a couple of ways. I think a lot of times when people are like, well, a white rice is bad for you. <laughs> I'm like, I always find the reason. I'm like, well, white rice is actually a lot easier for you to digest. Just than brown rice, yeah. yeah. You know, and here are some reasons why maybe brown rice wouldn't be the right option. I'm always saying like, I could go out and mine the science for you and give you the reasons why and why mm-hmm. and why not. So let's not use the use an internet article that's fear-mongering like coconut oil is going to kill us and decide I'm never going to have coconut oil ever again. But orthorexia is very real. And I think it really needs to start the way that I work with clients is throughout their day. So without overwhelming them to change their whole life, I say, you know, you wake up in the morning, can we take it a third at a time? Like, how can we just work on the first third of the day? And if you do that, like if you feel like you've made some healthy choices there, then we'll worry about the second third and the third third once it's become a habit. Because I think people get really gung-ho and excited about changing their whole life, Mm -hmm. but they're not making these sustainable foundational habits that really keep them healthy for the long run. It's it's Mm -hmm. consistency that's going to outpace any of these fat diets and, and really getting in your kitchen and learning to take care of yourself. So a lot of times it's a conversation. For me, I like to come from a science standpoint as like, why would that be quote unquote bad for you? Or why would it be good for you? It's like, I'm always trying to find the good reasons. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to break down those bad thoughts that they have 
and just give them the science of it. Mm-hmm. Because that really, from my standpoint, helps. Information is power. Yeah, and the consistency part is so true, but it's also so hard because life gets in the way and suddenly, you know, you have a weekend trip or you're, you know, whatever happens, you're suddenly thrown off and you've done a week of doing really well. And then the next thing you know, you're in an airport Mm -hmm. and you feel like you've totally screwed up. What do you, how do you work with people to keep them on a a plan, on a program that works? Because it, my, my feeling is that it almost doesn't matter what the plan is. It's uh, having a plan, any plan is better than having great ideas and no plan. Right. Because you end up just inevitably, like as, as I said before, if you, you eat the fries at lunch and then you forgo dinner the next day, in the morning you're going to grab the most convenient crappy calories that are available. So how do you how do you try to plan for that disaster to avoid it? And yeah, disasters happen. But I would say, um, for example, like when I have a client who's headed to New York right now, I have a couple of people in, at Fashion Week. And so the call, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute consultation call before Fashion Week is like, where is your hotel in relation to your hotel? Where is a Whole Foods? Where is a smoothie bar? What's the menu look like at the restaurant? Can we plan to lock in one meal mm-hmm. a day that's going to really support us to perpetually make those healthy choices throughout the rest of the day? And then let's look in our bag. You're going to be at Fashion week going from show to show you're going to be in cars probably going to jump in a car and they're going to have like lays potato chips and a coke for you or something so what can we bring and Mm -hmm. it's about like packing and preparing a little bit so even when we fall off the rails and walk into the airport i don't know what it is about an airport it's like i could have the healthiest client Mm -hmm. and they get through security and then mcdonald's is an option you know and you're like what (laughs) um but really just trying to help them to not beat themselves up over these choices because that increases anxiety and instead just do 10 minutes worth of internet research plus packing your bag for it and um, if you can like locking in a workout people say lock in a workout it's like well I think for me the best policy is always in New York I know there's workout studios on every corner and all get onto mind body and I'll book one Mm -hmm. just because like I know it's paid for and I'm locked into at least at least do one workout when I'm there mind body is an app or yeah Yeah, mind body is like what a lot of the fitness studios use to book classes and they take your money so it isn't something where Mm -hmm. you can just be like save my spot in yoga you're like here's my 30 bucks yeah so it commits you it commits you yeah. yeah I'm actually, I was never a challenge person online. I could never complete any of those because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to hashtag and they're going to know I completed it. <laughs> um, but there's this really cool app now called Spar and you put your, it's basically like Snapchat mm-hmm. and it timestamps your video. So, but it's a private group. So I'm actually doing a smoothie challenge coming up on Monday and uh, what it's going to do, and I'll probably do more throughout the year, but what it's going to do is you have to post your smoothie before 11 a.m. You know, some clients want to have their breakfast at six. Some clients want to work mm-hmm. out and start their day a little slower and it's brunch time sort of smoothie. But post your smoothie by 11. If you don't, it takes four bucks from your account. So your credit Ooh. card is linked to it. So skin in the game. And what they've been able to find out is it doesn't really matter if you're paying a dollar or $4, if the, you know, not doing the challenge, you have to pay $20 everyone becomes a community and with a little skin in the game, they commit. So I popped on the app the other day and there were things like do a hundred pushups, a hundred squats and, um, and, you know, run for 10 minutes or, you know, do 20 minute workout, do a 20 minute meditation. So it is pretty encouraging and a pretty cool thing to be able to jump on there and find something. If you're feeling like, Ooh, I'm going to be a little bit stressed out or I have a lot of travel coming up or I have something that might, 
take me off track? How can I, how can I use the tools out there that really work to support me to move or meditate or eat clean? Yeah, I like that. What do you say to the people that they're out there listening right now saying this eating healthy thing is expensive. Mm-hmm. It's only for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's only for New York, New York uh, elite. It's, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Uh, what do you say to that? Uh, Walmart is the largest supplier of organic Organic produce um, and they're actually making it quite affordable. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at maybe proteins being the most expensive, I would say sourcing bulk online and frozen is really the best approach Mm -hmm. and not to be afraid of, you know, I think people are afraid of canned foods, you know, and, but let's be realistic, like a can of wild salmon that. Mm-hmm. You know, the same four ounces would cost you, I don't know, 12 bucks is $4 and you're getting that high quality protein. I'm always open to that. I have vegan and vegetarian clients, you know, they use beans. Like there are good sources of protein and healthy fat that isn't really affordable and produce, I mean, produce has come down drastically with the acquisition um, of Whole Foods by Amazon as well. Not to mention your farmer's market. If you go the last hour, just because a, a you know a piece of pr- of produce is like quote unquote bruised or not perfect, it, prices are slashed. Like if mm-hmm. I know people like to go first thing in the morning, and I'm sure Seamus as a chef, you're like <laughs> you will see me there at five a.m. But we're at five. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. five fifteen. Okay, but I will <laughs> encourage my clients actually to go at one p.m. if they're looking to save money because. Most of the time, these growers and farmers don't want to take it back to their farm. They don't want to haul all this food back, and they're slashing prices and giving you a bag of all their mixed produce for four bucks, six bucks, and that could be three or four days worth of produce for your family. Yeah. What do you think about frozen produce? Frozen produce is amazing. Like One of the tools I use for clients who... You know, one of the things that I'll tell them to do is like, look, I know it feels all really overwhelming. I don't want you to do anything but start your day with this smoothie. See Mm -hmm. how you feel. See how it affects your choices. And by the way, if you don't want anything to ever go bad in your cabinets, you can use protein powder, shelf stable. You can use almond butter, coconut oil, shelf stable. Then it comes to fiber, chia, flax, whole foods, shelf stable. And then you need to add greens. Easy. Frozen spinach, Mm -hmm. frozen kale organic it's way cheaper and you're getting three times as much for a quarter of the price Mm -hmm. so i love frozen produce because right it's flash frozen most of the time Mm -hmm. at peak point of nutrition because it's picked ripe Mm -hmm. versus letting it ripen on a truck and it's not respirating so a lot of people don't realize but like once a a plant is living and once it's picked, it's going to try to stay alive. And it does that by degrading its nutrients. So like, for example, people will say, oh, broccoli is great. It's 25% of your, of what you need of vitamin C. It's like, yeah, but if that broccoli has been sitting on the shelf for a week, did you know that vitamin C doesn't even exist at the end of that week? So these are things where we're buying frozen produce. Not only is that nutrition and vitamin content, those, um, you know, micronutrients locked in, it's way more affordable. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite things to do is buy the frozen organic cauliflower rice from Whole Foods. It's one ninety nine, like the whole bag. And it's mm-hmm. four cups of riced cauliflower. And we're making bowls left and right mm-hmm. at my house with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Even my son, he'll eat it. That's 10 awesome. months old. <laughs> you know? And we have Trader Joe's is also another cost effective place. Yeah. Costco, Aldi. I mean, people need to realize that more and more we have more access to healthy foods yeah and honestly the more that you're voting with your pocketbook Mm -hmm. the more 
the farmers and the growers and everybody um, is going to be excited about producing more of this stuff mm-hmm. so, and bringing the price down, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think I think doing what you can for your family and knowing like, hey, if it's if it is too af- uh, expensive and you feel like it, you can't afford it, then look for the things like the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. Like mm-hmm. buy the Dirty Dozen organic. Don't worry as much yeah. about the Clean 15. Do you have a produce, like a, something that you can wash your produce with that pulls pesticides For people off. that don't know, what's the Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen? So that, that comes out um, from the EWG, the Environmental Working Group. And what they're looking at is pesticide residue on produce. So what the are the biggest cl- offenders? Um, glyphosate is the biggest offender. Sure, but of the produce, like of the produce, what what are the what are the most commonly sprayed or the, the biggest offenders? Um, well, you're gonna find that anything where you eat the skin is the biggest offender. So, mm-hmm. like grapes, apples, um, leafy greens. Whereas something like an orange or an avocado, where you're peeling the skin away, mm-hmm. um, are gonna be cleaner options because you're not ingesting yeah. that so the right. clean 15 you can get conventional it changes every year too. yeah it does update every year it updates every year so and clean 15 is lowest pesticide the lowest right? pesticide yeah. and um the dirty dozen you i would just prioritize uh buying organic, organic. Yeah. and you can download the ewg app to your phone and there's another app called think dirty and mm-hmm. they both have the ability they have scanners so you can scan everything in your house from your cleaning products. If you're looking to lower your toxic load in general for your family, mm-hmm. you can scan these products and it'll tell you, are there endocrine disruptors mm-hmm. um, or chemicals that would have an effect on your body? And they make recommendations now for options that are cleaner. Yeah. Hey, you use this product. Here's a cleaner option that doesn't yeah. have X, Y, and Z. I love EWG's skin deep for the, all the, me too. Yeah. Really great. So good. Same thing. You can look up any product out there as far as beauty products and skincare products. I'm curious, taking a little shift here, what is your thought on the carnivore diet? Because in our space, Mm -hmm. it's uh, Mm -hmm. a conversation. Uh, For people that that maybe not know, tell them about it and what are your thoughts on it? So the carnivore diet is a diet in which you only eat red meat. And I believe egg yolks are sort of open to discussion depending on who you Mm -hmm. talk to. And what they're avoiding when they're just eating red meat is they're avoiding any type of plant toxin, right? So anything that would break down your gut barrier, they're trying to avoid and they're trying to give you an option that is high in micronutrients and macronutrients. So red meat is a really bioavailable form. Uh, I mean, I look at it as really a nourishing food. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised that people are eating a lot of red meat and doing this carnivore diet because it's one of the best and easiest ways to get your B vitamins, vitamin D, a really good source of iron. That's going to make anyone feel really good. And, and they allow fish and things like that too, or is it just red meat? So it's, it's, I think it's just, just red, red meat. meat. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I definitely do it differently <laughs> for patients. I have them focus more on fish if they're going to do it for a while. And, yeah. But anyways. Well, I think it's... Uh, I think it's good. I mean, you have people like Stephen Gundry um, talking about lectins and how that can be hard on the body and hard on the gut and create inflammation. And then you have people who are allergic to nightshades. You have people with oral allergy syndrome, syndrome, which is when they breathe in maybe ragweed and then they're allergic to things like cucumber mm-hmm. and melon. So we're all, yeah, histamine, people who have sulfite issues mm-hmm. or histamine issues, you're basically wiping out anything that would potentially be inflammation causing for 
however long they decide to do the carnivore diet, if you're doing 100% grass-fed or wild protein, let's say mm-hmm. you do it the way Dr. Cole does it, which sounds good to me. I mean, I'd like to have a little variety, yeah. <laughs> a little steak, little salmon. Live on the wild side with some fish. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, but I... Th- especially here in LA, protein is pretty demonized. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I'm sitting down with clients and they, they do have full days without protein. And um, I have clients who are vegan and raw and they have to be so diligent about supplementing with B vitamins and making sure their iron levels and their vitamin D levels are high because you're just not going to feel good unless mm-hmm. you're doing your job to make sure that you're supplementing the right way. And so what I think is interesting, really, really piques my interest in the carnivore diet is you're getting all this really bioavailable nutrient density in that type of protein Mm -hmm. that you're not seeing anywhere else. And I think a lot of times one of the things that my clients are surprised about is if I don't see any red meat in their diet and they're not opposed to it, but they just think it's healthier to not eat it, I'm adding it back into their diet, Uh especially women who are menstruating and, you know, have low B vitamins or have low iron. It's like, that's going to deliver oxygen and nutrients to every cell in your body. What are you doing? You know? So, and it's weird. It's something that I've seen even with women who have um, lost their period, bringing red meat back in. I've had a couple of cases where it's come back. I use it as an elimination diet for these Mm -hmm. people. Like you said, that have these reactions to histamines and lectins and it's not for everybody, but you can slowly, it's definitely not fab four. You're missing the fiber and all of that stuff. So yeah. how do people use it in their life maybe? Yeah, I would say it's a perfect sort of elimination diet. Kind and of reset. Yeah, yeah. And if you're, if you're, you know, what's great is you're getting the protein and the fat, right? You're getting what we, the essential amino acids and the essential fatty acids from this diet. And if you're choosing grass fed, grass finished protein, I mean, you're, it's like you're eating liquid sunshine you're Mm -hmm. eating the grass that these animals animals ate and Mm -hmm. um i think it's highly nutritious um i'm interested there's a lot of research out of stanford about how not having fiber you're seeing the die-off of strains Mm -hmm. of bacteria in Mm -hmm. the microbiome and how as generations you know from our grandparents to our parents, to myself, to my son, like their microbiome is changing generationally mm-hmm. based on a lack of fiber. You're seeing die off of strains of bacteria that once lived in in your family's gut that no longer exist. So once the die off happens, it's really hard to re-inoculate. Yes, you can get the bacteria that live in your gut mm-hmm. to proliferate and, and increase the number of bugs, but you're not increasing the strains very often. So that would be the only thing I would say, use it as an elimination diet, calm some inflammation, really figure out what works for you. And then reintroduce the, like the lowest offenders on the fiber, Mm -hmm. like in, in the fiber and greens space. And they can start with Cooked vegetables, pureed vegetables. Yeah, anything, into it anything that's a little bit easier to digest. Yeah, any anything like that, you're gonna you're gonna lower some of those inflammation creating properties sure. of. How do you how do you feel about lamb? Because I feel like everyone focuses when they're talking about healthy red meat proteins, they always focus on grass fed beef or on bison, but yeah. we never really talk about lamb at all. I love lamb. I mean, I'm, I'm Croatian, so <laughs> so that's like my family heritage. Mm-hmm. And my aunt makes lamb like every Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. the night before Christmas. And I think it's a leaner red meat. And 
you're not, you're never having to worry about hormones or right. any, you know, anything that would be an issue with red meat. So right. I think thinking about mixing it up with something like lamb or um, like a bison, just really kind of getting away and mixing up your proteins mm -hmm, is a, mm -hmm. is the same sort of advice I give with your fats. It's like, okay, I know that you're paleo or you're keto and you're doing coconut oil and ghee only. Like how can we bring back the olive oil or the avocado oil? And really if you're mixing the, not like the categories, but you're mixing up the proteins and you're mixing mm -hmm. up the fats and you're mixing up the veggies, you're keeping variety in your mm -hmm. life and on your plate. I think that creates a, a yeah. real increase in your health. And organ meats too, which many people uh, aren't mindful of mm -hmm. the nutrient density of them. And yeah, for sure. absolutely. Thanks so much for being on the show. You guys, it was so Thanks much fun. Me. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Kelly Levesque. I loved Kelly's approach to nutrition in the sense that really basing it on a whole foods diet, this idea of not excluding things and banishing foods, but rather inclusion, I think mm -hmm. is really empowering and embracing food as a lifestyle, not a diet. Yeah. If in our culture, when we have all this information at our fingertips on Dr. Google with all this conflicting information, it's cool to see her have this grace-based almost approach to wellness where she has this light structure she has mm -hmm. the fab four she's giving them guidelines but like she said in the conversation you can be paleo you right. can be vegan or vegetarian or ketogenic but yeah. you're just getting those principles in to give people direction but still have the variety and variability to do what your own preference is and we, she talked a lot about in the pendulum swing and i think that that's really important this overcorrecting. i loved her term of bumpers like yeah. being the bumper on on the uh on the bowling lane so that you yeah. can kind of recorrect because we so so often i feel like we get into this into these routines where we think we're doing really well and then we fall off the rails with or we make one mistake and we think we've fallen off the rails and mm -hmm. that idea of recorrecting getting back on the horse i think is a really great and and sensible advice for sure and i i love the also the the fact that she's saying give yourself a break don't have a little mistake or if you off plan to a certain degree don't beat yourself up about it it's not all or nothing i think that that's a really sensible sustainable way to approach wellness for sure so for more information on Kelly, you can pre-order a copy of her book, Body Love Every Day, and it ships out December 30th. And for more information, you can go to BeWellByKelly.com. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. Let's wrap it out with a question from you guys. This question is an interesting one. Do you ever cook in the microwave? And if so, what do you make? Uh, well, for me to answer that question, I have to go back to 1980. Oh man, what was it? 1987 maybe? Yeah, 1987, my first job in the kitchen. I was working at everything but anchovies. It was a, it was a pizzeria. And my job was I was the dishwasher. But I also was the guy that had to do like anything that no one else wanted to do. And in the middle of dinner service... Uh, someone put something in the microwave, hit the button, 
And when they slammed the door, the door fell off, but the microwave kept going. And everyone was freaked out. They wanted to turn the microwave off. They wanted to turn the microwave off, and nobody wanted to go close to the microwave. So I was kind of sent in to turn the microwave off. And as I got like within a few inches of the microwave, I just started to feel really weird. Like I got a headache and got really dizzy. And I reached for the microwave, and as I grabbed it, I fell over and pulled the microwave away from the wall with me, and it unplugged. Ever since then, I've been scared shitless of using the microwave. So I, like, if the, someone turns the microwave on, I, like, do the limbo, or I crawl on my hands and knees to get underneath it so I'm not in front of it. So that's my take on the microwave. I don't use it. I'm not a fan. I don't have that traumatic story with the microwave. <laughs> I think many people do. <laughs> it's all right. I have a good relationship with microwaves, but I don't use it very often. I'm very rarely. I have never seen any compelling research to not use microwaves as far as the negative health effects from using microwaves. Uh -huh. There are studies to show that there's decreased nutrients when you microwave, but you get that come from cooking too. Sure. So I don't think it's compelling to not use a microwave, but I prefer going the old-fashioned way. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.